Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. But Father, right now, open eyes. Father, we, we want to hear from you. We want to understand better. Show us how to live. Show us how to apply the principles we see in this word today. And we're going to give you all the honor for what you accomplished. And we all say, amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8 and verse 26. And today we're going to talk about evil spirits. And uh, we don't focus on them a whole lot. But this is a word in season. And I think we're going to be stronger, wiser, and better for digging into this. Actually, the scripture says we are not ignorant of the Satan's devices. So God doesn't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to know and to understand. So we're going to dig in and learn. Verse 26, then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. Jesus spent most of his earthly ministry ministering in very conservative Jewish areas. But on this particular trip, he went into a predominantly Gentile region. And you can tell that this area was non-kosher due to the fact that there were pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. And no animal was as disgusting to Jewish sensibilities as swine. So it was there that he met him, a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. How many had some problems for a long time? Yeah. Now, on the way over the lake, Jesus and his disciples went through such an intense storm that the disciples woke up and said, Master, Master, you know, we're about to drown. And that was pretty serious, but when they got to the shore, that particular storm was over. But a new one started, and it was raging in the heart of this man that was actually trying to attack Jesus. And when we go from battle to battle and situation to to situation, we can start thinking that maybe we're doing something wrong. But let me tell you something here. Jesus is not weak. And here, Jesus did not attack him because he was weak. He attacked him because he's a threat. And the enemy, the reason he comes after you is not because you're weak. It's because he's afraid you might discover your power. You might discover your strength. So he's going to do everything in his power to stop you and block you before you realize what God's done inside you. Scripture says, and this man was an unusual man. Sounds like the Grammy Awards, but it says, and he wore no clothes. (laughs) But, But who in here would be just a little bit alarmed if an unknown strange man just came running at you butt naked in the middle of the afternoon. And then scripture goes on and gives us a few more details. He he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. This guy was was a savage, if you will. He would sleep and the dew of morning would would be on him when he woke up. He lived with, with animals. His Beard was matted, his hair was not combed, and it was long, and and you could probably smell this guy from about 100 feet away. And Mark tells us a few more details, and I'm going to move to Mark, then I'm going to move back to Luke. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 6, it says this, when he saw Jesus from afar, 
he ran. So again, this guy's coming from a distance. It started as a dot, but it's getting bigger and bigger, closer and closer. And again, butt naked guy running at you, okay? I want you, you got to get in the story. You got to understand. We're reading this in the book, so we don't really get it. But if you were standing there and there's some guy running at you, no clothes on, and full speed, that it would be a serious, very serious moment in your life. But then it says, and he worshiped him. So what caused the man to go from trying to attack him to, to worshiping him, falling on his knees and bowing before the Lord? Well, Luke fills in the blanks. Let's go back to Luke 8 chapter. Yeah, there it is. When he, this is important, when he, the demonized man, saw Jesus. You see, when he got close enough to see him, everything changed. You see, every other person that he ran at, growled at, and threw rocks at, they either ran or they picked up a weapon. But Jesus was different. He just stood there, he remained calm, cool, and unmoved. And as he was moving toward him, he was like, something's different about this man. What I want you to understand today is fear is Satan's oxygen. When we are fearless, Satan becomes optionless. Just like we need air to breathe, Satan operates best in an environment of fear. And when we don't yield to fear, he begins to choke. He begins to get nervous. He doesn't quite know what to do with the person that has no fear. It says, when he saw Jesus, you see, when people try to attack you and they run at you, but instead of panic and fear, they see Jesus in you, it will begin to, to lower their resistance and, and the opposition in them will begin to lessen. The Bible says when he saw Jesus, he didn't know quite to do with this strange carpenter from Galilee. The Bible says he cried out because Jesus didn't flip out. The devil cried out. When the righteous hold it together, the devil falls apart. And you might be thinking, I'm just preaching a little cute sermon. I'm living this thing right now. I got some stuff running in my direction, but I'm holding my peace and letting the Lord fight my battles, and, and I will not lose my mind. I will not get my eyes off the mark. I'm going to keep looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. I will not be moved. I don't care what happens. I'm holding my peace. I got to hold it tight sometimes, but I'm holding my peace. The Bible says, when he saw Jesus, now, now again, he, Satan needs fear to do his thing. And the closer he got to Jesus, the less oxygen he had. So he starts kind of suffocating the closer he got because Jesus knew who he was. And before long, the man cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice. You see, this man's rage could not withstand the power of Jesus' peace. Peace is one of the most forgotten and and, and seldom emphasize weapons of our warfare. You see, I cannot control everything that happens to me, but I can control how I react. Ultimately, it's my choice how I let you or any circumstance in my life affect me. I decide my personal vibe. 
I decide what, what I want to give back to those who give something to me. And, 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 and here's a little, 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 little note. Would you please cancel my annual subscription to your issues? Your issues are your issues. Just because you got an issue don't mean I got to get an issue. Cancel my subscription. Your problem, your problem. I made a choice. That's for me and my house. You hear what I'm saying? I'm going to hold my peace. I'm going to let the Lord do what he does. And with a loud voice, he said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now, now this is important because this guy was not a guy you found in the synagogue. This is not a guy that people talk to. How did a guy that lived in tombs know Jesus' spiritual identity? You know, demons don't know everything. And some people kind of act like Satan is a counterpart to God, like somehow they're equal opposites. Ain't so, ain't so, ain't so. The devil ain't no match for the living God. See, the devils don't know everything, but they will recognize when they see God in us. And when they saw a God response in that man, they said, there's more to that man. And he began to recognize their day. Now, let me ask you a question. Could people know your identity by your response? All right, we're going to move on. He said, said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? And this guy was intimidated. I watch how the tables turn. I beg you. You see, a bully will push you only as far as you let him. That's just that's, that's the way they are. This, this man had terrorized the whole area. How many of you grew up in an area where there was a certain block you just didn't want to walk down? Certain areas of the city, you just did not go. And this was that area of the city, and he was that principal person you stayed away from. But when Jesus didn't back down, all this man could do was whimper. Here's my conviction. The devil and others can't defeat the God in me. And as big as your devil might be, it will not defeat the God in me. And the demon said, using the man's voice, I beg you, do not torment me. Jesus didn't come to torment people, but he did come to torment the devil. That's the question. How many of you in here would like to be more like Jesus? Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. Then I'd like, I'd like you to do something. Jesus did not ask this man to lay on a psychiatric couch. <laughs> Jesus didn't throw some volume, volume at the man as he ran to him. Now, those things can be very helpful and necessary, but here's the deal. They tend to deal with the symptoms and not the root. Yeah. Jesus did not try to reason with the demon. He took authority over the demon. Now, in a moment, he's going to talk to the man, at least try to talk to the man. But before he talked to the man, he took authority over the spirit. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. Meaning, what you saw me do with the authority God gave me, I want you to do. So the way Jesus deal with this demonized individual is how we ought to deal with. Demons when they show up in our children. 
when they show up in, in our loved ones, our mates, our finances, our health, our church. Don't just argue with them. Take authority over them in the name of Jesus. Come out of my church. Come out of my husband. Come out of that child. Come out of my mind. Come out of my health. Come out of my, my, my circumstances. Use your authority. Again, we want to be like Jesus. Jesus is showing us how to be like him. So this demonized man's coming out at him, and it says here, he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. So I don't know how loud he said it, but he said it loud enough for his disciples to hear it. Can I back up for just a second? Okay, I know I'm talking about demons, and some people act like they don't exist. And the thing is, how could all this craziness be going on in the world unless they did exist? I mean, it's going to start raving mad out there. And that's not natural, the things that are happening. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. Find out more about Dr. Greer, Grace Church, and today's teaching at gracechurchva.org. Let's get back to today's teaching. How do you know where a demon might be ruling in your life? The man said, do not what? Torment me. Whatever area of your life, God's words still get you mad. So when I start preaching the word and people start walking out, I know I just hit something. But, but here's the deal. I, was trying not, I wasn't trying to chase you out. I was trying to chase your devil out. But the problem is you got an agreement with your devil and you both left. My hope was that you stayed and we get you free. The scripture says, we're going to dig in here. For it had often seized him, meaning there were times it seized him and times it didn't, meaning he, meaning he had moments of, of calm. He still wasn't a guy you really wanted to be around, but he was calmer in, in, in some moments. But then he'd have fits of rage and, and bouts of depression. He'd say, man, that guy had a problem. But that sounds like a lot of folk I know. But, but here's the deal. See, we're so modern in our thinking when those things manifest, we call it our particular personality type. We say, well, it's the way I was raised, or you don't know where I'm from. But, but that's why you never deal with it, because you make excuses for it. It's a devil. Call the thing what it is. It's a devil. And until you identify it, you can't put a handle on it. All right, that went over some of your heads. Are you hearing me? It says, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, meaning he was dangerous, bound with chains because he, he wanted to hurt people. He wanted to hurt himself and shackles, and, and he'd even break these chains, meaning he had supernatural power for evil. So if we can believe that this man has supernatural power for evil, we should not doubt that God can likewise give us supernatural power for good. And the power for good should outdo the, any power the devil could do for evil. Because God's greater than the devil. And this man was driven, not led. The spirit will lead you. Demons drive you. They, 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 they make you feel like you've got to do something. And he's a brutal uh, taskmaster, and he makes you do stuff. And it's compulsive. That's, that's the way the devil operates. And he was driven by a demon into the wilderness. So he had some problems, but the devil here is about to make him worse. See, Satan roars about, the Bible said, as a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
Satan's goal is almost always to isolate his victims. Now, the analogy of Satan and a lion, if God used it, it must be right. Now, what a lion does before it takes down a wildebeest, it'll identify the animal that it wants to attack, and then it and its friends will immediately try to separate it from the herd because the other wildebeests are dangerous. And if they gore a lion, man, that in the long run, you know, they might not die in a spot, but in the long run, that infection can set in and a wildebeest can kill a lion. So what it does, it divides the wildebeest from the rest of the herd. And then as, as it's isolated, it begins to attack and, and bite its neck and, and the rest. You see, Satan's goal is to get you out there by yourself. That's why Satan wants you any other place except church, where you're not in the presence of someone that's going to pray. You, you, you're not standing on someone's right and left where they could pray for you. you. You're not in a situation where the Word of God could get in your ear, not just in your mind, because we do funny things in our mind by ourselves. So many times things seem so right in my head until I said them out loud. I was like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Or until I did it. And many times we get alone, we get stuff in our head. But when you get in an environment where the Word of God's going forth, and your thinking is being challenged and, and enlarged and, and you're seeing things clearly. You, you become part of, of the wildebeest, if you will. And a lion cannot attack a full herd of wildebeest. It got to separate the individual from the herd. It says, and the demon drove him into the wilderness. Now, sometime alone is good. And there's a place for solitude and, 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 and to get alone. And that's good. But all the time is dangerous. We need each other. And let me tell you something. See, people misread the scripture. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say, upon this rock, I build the individual. The reason we're not winning is because we're not part of something. Right. Satan's only prevailing because we're so individualistic. Instead of part of a family, part of a community where we can strengthen and bless one another. Verse 30, Jesus commanded the spirit. But we're about to find out he was trying to talk to the man. Jesus asked him, a lot of people think he was asking the demon his name. He was asking the man, what is your name? It's important. Jesus' life was at stake. This guy is naked smelly and, and, and dangerous. But instead of focusing on his own personal danger and, and regard for self, he starts reaching out to the individual. And this is where we mess up. Hate the devil, love the person. And, and what we do is we, we, well, we say we hate the devil, then we hate the person. No, no, you become a devil hating people. And you got to be very, very, very careful about it. Jesus loved this man despite the demon. And he loves us despite yours. Person next to you. And the man answered, legion. Have you ever had someone ask you something only to have the worst part of you answer? And one of your kids come up to you and, and they ask you for something and in your mind, it was like, well, what can I do for you, dear, you know, loved one? And, but the way it came out was, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, I was just, 
have an alternative part of you. Try to speak. This was the case with this man. He growled, my name is Legion, because many demons had entered him. The demon was speaking through him, but the man had some level of control, and he was trying to communicate to Jesus, and he was saying, Jesus, I'm trapped in here. Master, it's it's complicated. I I have over a thousand deep-rooted, deeply entrenched, unresolved issues living deep down on the inside of my person. I think one of the best ways that I have ever described a, a demon is much like a dangerous hitchhiker. You let them in the car, and they might at first sit there harmlessly in the passenger seat for a while, but get them a few miles, and they'll eventually demand the wheel. And what will happen is, you do what mama told you not to do, what daddy told you not to do, and it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. You let them in the car, and oh, they seem friendly, having conversation, give it a couple miles. Give it a couple miles. And before long, he not only wants the car, he wants your life. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss, meaning Jesus had the authority to tell them exactly where to go. We could dig into that, but what I want you to notice is the demon was using this important, the man's voice. This is what the enemy is after, your voice. If he could just use your voice to drill things into your kids. If he could just use your voice to drill things into your spouse. If he could just use your voice to drill things into your own mind and your own. See, the problem is demons do not have physical bodies. And and because they don't have physical bodies, they can't just speak. They need a body to speak. Just like God, he doesn't have a physical body. So we become the body of Jesus Christ. And he speaks through us. Does that make sense to you? Right now, if demons could speak, this whole room would be screaming, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. But, but the only thing they can do is kind of, I can't explain, where, where does God live that space between your thoughts? Where does the devil want to live in that space between your thoughts? And what he wants to do is keep injecting thoughts. And then, but what's tricky about him is he often injects his thoughts in the first person. He, he don't say, I'm the devil, and I want you to. That's not what he does. He whispers, I want X, Y, and Z. And you're like, oh, I must want X, Y, and Z. And here's the deal. If you don't know God's word, you don't know what to say to that thought. Uh, God's people perish for lack of knowledge. Let me tell you something. The last thing the devil ever wants you in is in a teaching church. He don't mind us getting our shout on. Now, we get our shout on here. We love the Lord. But I tell you, he wants you any place other than a place like this where you start learning God's word, what God says, so when the devil comes, you can wait and say, no, 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 this is done taught line by line, and I, I remember it's in the book. That don't line up. Wait, wait. Some of y'all say, I'm not sure. Let, let, me, let, me, let me help you for a minute. Jesus, perfect, is in the wilderness. 
He's being tempted. He's hungry, the Bible said. It's natural when you're hungry to want some food. So the devil comes at him, say, well, you know what? You the son of man, you know, uh, turn this stone into bread. He tries to get into Jesus' mind, take a natural need, and expand it beyond its proper boundary. And what the devil will do if you let him, if you don't know God's word, he'll take a normal desire, and I could fill in the blanks with a million different things here, and stretch it beyond its proper order, and then leverage it against you. It's kind of like he's into Hapkido, Taekwondo, and Karate. All he can do is use our own weight against us. So it's natural to have desires for, uh, for food, but it's another thing when, when you start eating too much food and you're killing yourself and, and your heart can't pump and you can't carry yourself into the next room. That, see, he'll take something normal. Now, y'all know where I'm about to go, and I'm trying not to because I'm trying to... This is just why we're here. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.